Pastor Xavier Reese and the soul-satisfying simple truths of the Word. Jesus said, Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. The word blessed again means happiness. This hunger is for God, the Word of God, the things of God, the desire for forgiveness that breaks fellowship with God. If there's no hunger, maybe you're on a spiritual diet, which you shouldn't be. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The multitudes often thronged around Jesus, and one occasion in particular was described for us in Luke chapter 6. But His words that day were essentially simple truths directed to His real followers. And during the encounter, commonly referred to as the Sermon on the Plain, Jesus spoke about what motivates and tempts the believer— And it's here that Pastor Xavier also discovers several blessings that will abound if we steer carefully around the temptations and stay on the path of following Jesus faithfully. But also the woes and regrets we'll receive if we take the shortcuts that the enemy points out for us along the way. Let's listen. Luke chapter 6, Jesus has been teaching throughout Galilee, as you know, both in the synagogues and the open air. And his fame is growing, and the crowds are flocking to him. Luke gives us one of these occasions as Jesus is teaching and healing many among the multitudes in his sermon on the plain. So we want to look at the section, only a small section, of the sermon of the plain characterized by the following. First, the sign of the kingdom of God, verse 17 through 19, the signs of the kingdom of God. Secondly, in verse 20 to 23, you have the blessings of accepting the kingdom of God. And then thirdly, you have the warning about rejecting the kingdom of God in verse 24 through 26. The signs, the blessings, and the warnings. Let's begin here with the signs of the kingdom of God, 17 through 19. Notice in verse 17, the people were drawn to Jesus. The setting of the gathering is depicted as on a level place. He came down with them. They stood on a level place, very clear. He descended with his 12 apostles after having uh, spent an entire night in prayer, and he chose 12. Jesus had been proclaiming that he was Messiah in the synagogue already we saw at Nazareth in chapter 4. Jesus had gone up to that mountain. He came down. Now his 12 apostles are with him. The area was somewhere between Tiberias and Nazareth in that area, uh, or maybe uh, a few miles south of Capernaum. For Jesus had been preaching healing and casting on demons in the synagogues and out in the open, as chapter 4 and chapter 5 has told us over and over again. Now notice the gathering of people was diverse. Luke says that Jesus stood with the crowd of his disciples, not the 12. Their apostles already come down with him. These were the multitude of disciples that were following Jesus all around Galilee. Luke tells us, as Jesus stood with a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the sequels of Tyre, and Sidon. So the crowds are coming. They're flocking them. From the south, they came to Galilee, from Judah and Jerusalem. And then those from the north, they came down to Galilee. 
the area of the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, uh, where Jesus healed the Syrophoenician's daughter of the, of the demon that possessed her. And well, that was the only time Jesus went outside of the boundaries of Israel, if you remember in Matthew 15. Now, notice the people were seeking Jesus for personal benefits at the end of 17 and 19. At the end of 17, they came to be instructed by Jesus. It says, who came to hear him. The revolutionary words of Jesus were full of authority, not as the scribes of the Pharisees. Jesus often says, you have heard that it has been said, but I say to you, he quoted no rabbi. He was the ultimate authority. They came to be touched by Jesus also and to be healed of diseases, very practical. Blindness, deafness, demon possession, leprosy, it didn't make any difference. Those who were tormented with unclean spirit, it says. Jesus had delivered the demon-possessed man already in the synagogue, as we've seen in chapter 4, 31 through 33, as the scribes and Pharisees were looking to see how they could charge him with something. The demons came out crying, Are you the Christ, the Son of God? And he rebuked them, didn't allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Luke 4, 41 tells us. Interesting, everybody's saying, well, is, that, is Jesus, is he, is he son of Joseph? Is he son of a centurion? Is he a prophet? And every time Jesus goes by a demon-possessed person, the demons say, hi, Jesus, son of God, what are you doing? Why do you torment us so? Our time's not yet come. Hell and Satan have no problem who Jesus is. Only men. Notice they were not disappointed. They were healed, it says in 18. They were delivered from the power of Satan to be free to believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ and to embrace him as Messiah. In fact, Jesus will cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene in chapter 8, verse 2 of Luke. Now, I don't know why it is. The Catholic Church always presents her as a prostitute. She's not. She has seven demons. That's what she had. <laughs> and by the way, there's a big new dig in Magdala, where she's from, of a synagogue that would be the very synagogue that Jesus probably preached in. They're digging it up right now, a new archaeological dig. It's amazing. Now, notice they were um, pressing all around Jesus. The whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. The scene is a little bit uncomfortable, anxious one, the, as individuals were crowding, attempting to touch Jesus. And maybe you've been around with crowds of people, you know, maybe there's been a sale at, you know, whatever. And uh, people just press, they don't care. Or maybe they want to get into this concert hall. And we have had a tragic consequence where people get trampled and they get killed. Uh, this is the scenario of Jesus constantly. We've already seen that in chapter 5 as he goes into the boat of Peter to get some room and preach a little better. Now, you can imagine people. Now, if people are always pressing you wherever you go and you're on demand. Wouldn't you say at one point, hey, back off? Jesus never said anything like that. It's amazing to me. The reason is given. They recognize when someone touched Jesus, healing power went out. And they were made whole. The word power is dunamis, inherent power by virtue of its nature, being God, being man, the God-man. The word is translated in the King James, virtue. The same word that is used for Acts 1.8, the Holy Spirit, would, they would receive power, dunamis, to be witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Same word. James 5.14 and 15 says, If anyone among you is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, it will be forgiven. So we have great access as believers to the throne of grace for our needs. The signs of the kingdom of God 
verify Jesus was the Messiah. Absolutely the Messiah. In verse 20, the believer has the true wealth. Don't miss this. Then he lifted up his eyes towards the disciples and said, Blessed are you, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Jesus lifted up his eyes towards the disciples to teach them. These disciples were learners, pupil among the crowds. His disciples, which now are apostles, are next to him. The twelve are distinct from the disciples all around from which they were chosen from. In verse 17, it says he came down with them, the apostles, and then many of disciples on the crowds. Now Jesus pronounced the blessing on them. Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. These are known as beatitudes, as you know. There are nine in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, 3 through 11. And there are four in the Sermon on the Plain here, verse 20 to 23. The word blessed means happy. The happiness is true lasting happiness based on the reality of a relationship with God. Because you're saved, far different from the happiness of the world that is based on something you have, something that you don't have, or whatever it may be, your emotions or whatever it is. This happiness is related to being one with God, understanding your privilege. Now, the particular individual, notice, blessed in the genuine happiness is said to be the poor. This is a paradox. These beatitudes are paradox. All of them is we go one by one. The word poor means one destitute of wealth, influence, position, or honor in the world. They often struggle in society, even to the present day. The poor never changes. They have a hard time paying their bills. They barely make it. They have very little. Jesus says you have the poor with you always. But Jesus is not saying that all poor or just because you are poor that you're saved or blessed by God. Let's understand that perfectly, okay? Matthew says, blessed are the poor in spirit. So you can see there's a difference. So this cannot be the same sermon. The meaning is different here. Matthew indicates the one who recognizes his bankrupt position and and condition to earn salvation before God. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Matthew 5.3. The happiness of the poor It's substantiated by the words, for yours is the kingdom of God. The proclamation does not do away with anything but the paradox. It is so almost contradictory. It does away with it. It makes the beatitude an absolute truth. You are blessed. Why? Because you have received the kingdom of God. That makes all the difference in the world. The poor disciples among the crowds, having been born again now by the gospel, were rich, having access to the wealth of God through his kingdom. The minute you and I were born again, we can come before the throne of grace. We can depend on the Lord. We look to him for everything. Wealthy. This was the declaration of Jesus in the synagogue of Nazareth, if you remember, in Luke 4, 18, that the gospel was preached to the poor. And also his reply to John the Baptist when he was in prison the poor, to the poor, the gospel is preached. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you later on in Luke 17, 21. Now notice, the believer next has the right appetite. In verse 21, blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. 
Jesus pronounced the second beatitude on the believer. Blessed are you those who hunger now. The word blessed again means happiness. Oh, how happy. The highest degree of happiness. The blessed happiness is over those who hunger. It means physical hunger or it can mean spiritual hunger. Figuratively, the context will dictate it. The hunger here is spiritual for the things of God expressed in the present participle. It's a durative expressing quality and condition. That of hungering constantly for the hunger referred to not only continues, but it increases in the very act of being satisfied, the Greek scholar Lenski says. Your appetite increases because you eat more. This is the word of God, the same proportion, okay? If there's no hunger, maybe you're on a spiritual diet, which you shouldn't be. One thing about the word of God, you don't have to worry about calories. You can eat all you want. They, having repented of their sins, have lost their appetite for the world and the appeal of sin. But certainly they're not perfect or sinless, just as you and I know we still have sin nature. The word now is emphatic, indicating the church age in contrast to the coming millennium. This hunger is for God, the word of God, the things of God, the desire for forgiveness that breaks fellowship with God. We cling to it, all due to being transformed in heart, not the alteration of the world of our environment. What God has transformed is our heart. Too often we want to manipulate our environment, our conditions, and we think because we control everything, I have the peace of God. No. The peace of God is determined when you're in the midst of a storm and you're just sound asleep. That's the peace of God. Not when everything is all perfect. Matthew says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew 5, 6, so you can see the difference. Now, the blessed happiness of the disciples of Jesus is that their hunger will be satisfied by Jesus. For you shall be filled. The tense is the future. The more they hunger, the more God will satisfy the believer's hunger. The phrase, you shall be filled, is a strong verb. It is used of feeding and fattening cattle with fodder and grain. And it's also used for feeding men with great abundance. So God freely gives to us all that we want. Then notice the believer's sorrow next will be turned to joy. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Jesus pronounced the third beatitude on the believer. Blessed are those who weep. Again, the blessedness is that happiness that's of high degree and, and genuine based on our relationship with Christ. This happiness, again, cannot be fabricated. It's not what the world can offer. The blessed happiness is over those who weep now. Another paradox. Weeping means to mourn, to lament, to sob. The idea is one of pain and grief being experienced and expressed. The present participle, again, denotes people constantly sobbing and lamenting for the evil in the world and rejection of the gospel. That's one aspect. When somebody rejects the gospel, our loved ones, when one of our children are wayward, it breaks our heart. We grieve, we sob for them, knowing their condition. Lenski, the scholar, says, but we must, of course, include every other grief 
that is due to the power of sin in this world as it inflicts blows, losses, and pain upon the godly. It includes every wrong done to us as well as every painful consequence of our own wrongdoing. Wow. So this sobbing is not only for the lost world, but for our own sins, our own shortcomings, and the pain we bring to others, and the difficulties, and the tragedies even at times. And because we're Christian, it breaks our heart, and it moves us to repent and ask forgiveness before God and before people to get right. The word now, again, is emphatic in their present life here under this fallen world. We're all our own failures in contrast to the coming millennium, which we will be glorified. We won't have to worry about sin nature, but until now, we have it here. This weeping and sobbing is due to the transformation of heart for hurting God by our sin primarily and first and most of all and our attitude that offends him. Against you and only you have I sinned, David says, and yet that was a sin with Bathsheba. First we sin against God. Then we sin with each other and against each other. But first it's against God. Notice the happiness of the disciples of Jesus is that their weeping will be consoled by Jesus. For you shall laugh. The phrase shall laugh is another paradox that has done away with the divine comfort of God. It's removed. Turning to God with a deep concern for others, sobbing over their lostness, God will comfort us, strengthen us, speak to us. Who has not gone through this with loved ones and sons and daughters and friends, co-workers? Turning to God with a sincere heart of confessing one's sin, he has faithful to forgive us of our sins and to renew our joy. Many of us have experienced it. If you've walked with God for many years, you know when you're not right with God. You know, you're, you, you, you're a parent, you have a child, and they do something, and you're kind of not very pleased with them, and, and there's, uh, the relationship is broken, and you're looking for repentance. You're looking so, for that repentance so you can forgive and reconcile the relationship. And that's the same with us, with the Lord. Now notice next, the believer suffering for Jesus will be recompensed in heaven. 22 and part of 23. Blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Jesus pronounced the fourth beatitude on the believer in 22. Blessed are you when men hate you. The word again, bless, indicates that happiness of a Christian having entered the kingdom. The word hate means to detest and to pursue with, with animosity. The tense is the subjective areas active, indicating they are constantly to be expected and will come frequently. Now, we as Christians in America are the exception. All we know about persecution is what we read about. But it's still the rule. Jesus said that. Blessed are you when they exclude you the idea is to separate or excommunicate a person. When you're a Christian, things like that happen. You used to be the life of the party. You used to just have so many friends. And when you became a Christian, they made that line of demarcation. All of a sudden, you weren't that fun anymore. Whole different world. 
The tense again is subjective error, is active. This will be constant and to be expected frequently. He says, blessed are you when they revile you. It means to reproach or upbraid. The idea is of criticizing in an abusive, angrily insulting manner, demeaning you, trying to insult you and put injury on you. The tense against subjective errors active, this will be constant and to be expected frequently. Who's he speaking to? The disciples of Jesus. Those who are born again. Those that are in the world, but not of the world. Blessed are you when they cast out your name as evil. The phrase cast out means to reject with contempt your name with evil. So they demean you in character. The word evil is ponderous. It means not only doing evil, but delighting in making others corrupt and doing and experiencing evil. It's the same word that is used for Satan, the wicked one in 1 John 5, 18 and 19. You see, you who are the light of the world and salt of the earth become darkness and irritant to the dark world. You become evil. You're the problem. It happens immediately. But underline this, for the Son of Man's sake. So all of this persecution and suffering, if it's because I'm obnoxious, the context here is for the Son of Man's sake. Because you are being a witness and a representative of Jesus Christ. You're being light and you're being salt. That's the context. The sufferings and persecution is always due to being associated with Jesus and to be in fellowship with Jesus, the Son of Man. The blessedness of the disciples of Jesus is in suffering for Jesus as a high call, privilege. Jesus told and warned his disciples and apostles constantly that they would suffer for his name's sake. The lasting happiness of the disciples of Jesus was in knowing Jesus would repay them for their loving commitment to suffer for his name's sake. Look at 23. Their orders are also a seeming paradox. Listen carefully. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. What? The word rejoice means to be glad in that day. Instead of grieving and lamenting the painful experience as a disciple of Jesus, we are to consider it a good fortune to come upon us. Now, you sit there and you say, well, I, I don't know if I, but listen, listen. We try to analyze things before God gets us there. Jesus says, if I'm going to make you go through that and cause you to go through that, when you get there, I'll enable you. You try to assess it without being enabled, you're going to push a freak out button. He is sufficient for the time, one step at a time, one day at a time. He is faithful. The day when they would be hated, excluded, Revile in their names, rejected with contempt, accused falsely of being evil, wasn't long or far off. The word rejoice is the imperative present active, and leap is the imperative errors active. In other words, these are our marching orders. They're not suggestions. So if God commands me to do something, He will enable me when He puts me in that position. Are we clear on that? 
Pastor Xavier Reese, closing with a reminder that God's commands always come with His enablement. More simple truths drawn from our study series of the Gospel of Luke. Now you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at calvarychapelpasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. Now, if you won't be able to tune in, though, you can always pick up your own copy of this study on CD for just $4. The title to request is, Are You in the Kingdom of God? And why not share it with a friend when you're through? Once again, the title to ask for is, Are You in the Kingdom of God? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for helping us by mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths from the Gospel of Luke, coming right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com